Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my season of the worthy review, the full review of the entire thing. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you could probably catch me live right now at SayNoToRage.com. I'm usually live when these hit the feeds, and SayNoToRage.com will bring you to my Twitch channel. Uh, and we do have the Almighty's new size, and it's static in the in the background here. So for YouTube, you're going to see sort of the beginnings of the live event. All the NPCs are staring up at it, and it's static. That's no longer moving. They've decided to kind of suspend uh, the passage of time. So that's where the sun is. And that's where the Almighty is. We're 30 minutes away from the live event. So I wanted to give my Season of the Worthy review right as the season ends. What better way to do it with this up in the skybox? So I'm going to talk about what was good. It's a, it's kind of a light list of what was good, what was bad, and then bandwidth. I think a lot of this was related to bandwidth. And we've obviously got theories about what's coming with, you know, summer and September. So what was good? You know, serendipitously having this in the skybox right now, I think is one of the things they got right this season. I feel like the story beats were actually very, very well done. Uh, Even if they were just like little dialogue bits with Anna Bray or Zavala, even the kickoff cutscene with Osiris confronting Rasputin, uh, you know, the the, the dots moving, uh, I thought all of that was very, very good. You know, we got to see that the, the pyramid ships were there. He was there at the collapse. The dots moving on the boards uh now the almighty's been looped back into the story that's from vanilla it's in the stinking skybox i actually think as far as storytelling goes this is actually one of their stronger seasons even the fell winter's quest and going down into the bunker and learning about Fellwinter and seeing the original Rasputin was was just awesome. I think a lot of people gave that a raw deal because that quest was just a, a huge bumble. It was attached to a terrible tower event. It was bugged when you know you couldn't even get in the door. They had to give us a buff because nobody was gonna. We weren't gonna hit the number because it was just everybody hates the event so much and the fail rates were higher. Um, so by and large, when you really just sort of like zoom out and look at the story beats, I think they've done an excellent job with the story beats. Okay. Um, then the, the, the war mine cells, those are, these are kind of the only two things I can say positive about the season is all the story beats. That's like one checkbox. Boom. Good story beats, cool stuff, cool scenes, cool dialogue. And then the war mine cells. But unfortunately, the Warmind Cells are attached to other mistakes and other bad ideas. Like Warmind Cells didn't really drive you to the weapons. The weapons weren't that great, and the weapons were way less effective than Tyrant Surge. So even the Warmind Cells as an idea didn't really, you know, kick off that well. I didn't think it captivated people all that well. And so I'm I'm actually concerned that they had really good ideas this season that hopefully are re-implemented at some point and don't let the season like overshadow it okay so those are like the only two good things i can (laughs) i can say oh you know what i'll also say this I really feel like their iteration on passages for trials was really, really good in innovation and a really good iteration on passages. I think trials can still get to a really good place. It's attached to a lot of other bad things, but I did think that the passage iteration was really, really smart, and they did they did a good job with that. And the aesthetics of the of the trials gear was was awesome. So, what was bad? Okay. The tower event is a foundational flaw in the entire seasonal format. It was a bad entry point. It was 980. The the bosses are 1,000. You have all these players coming in at 950, and they can't even do the event in the public space without seeing swords and skulls. It wasn't very clear. People were doing it wrong. People were failing. It wasn't very fun. It wasn't match made. It did not check the quality boxes that we're accustomed to checking for seasonal content. If you're going to come in, 
and play seasonal content, they have established that it will be accessible, not failable, match made. And they completely broke all those rules. And that hurt so many things with this season. It was sort of this undercurrent of failure that hurt Felwinter's quest. It hurt it when they tried to iterate on it and make it harder. Uh, it just, it affected a lot of things. And so the tower event was awful. It, it, it failed in so many ways. It wasn't really accessible to begin with because of the power delta. It wasn't accessible because of its design. Even from a design standpoint, it's pretty meat grindy and pretty simplistic, but then it's not even match made and it's failable. This feels like I said today, the more I think about it, the more I think since we know that Vicarious Visions created Escalation Protocol as like a late 11th hour ad for Warmind, I think that this was a side piece of content a companion piece of content they designed for the other other planets and it got shelved because it wasn't ready it's built on the same infrastructure and background as escalation protocol non-match made public space failable and i don't think they had time to go back in and like rework the whole thing from the ground up to add matchmaking and to you know maybe make it non-failable so those those just stayed because it's old content that got shoved in Also, the bunkers and the lost sectors were just, they didn't really land all that well. They were too short of a loop. They weren't that rewarding. The bunkers themselves were confusing. It was like drinking from a fire hose. It was really hard to understand why exactly I would invest in the bunkers. They didn't really synergize it because you were buying these benefits for activities that you weren't really engaging with because legendary lost sectors were a thousand. Uh, The bunker clearing as a daily ritual I think could have been better if the rewards would have been more exciting. I consistently got garbage rolled armor so it became just a point of futility like why the frick even do this. Legendary lost sectors were a great iteration on existing content but again, there was no real good reason to run it. The grind was very tricky truncated we went from very generous you know vex offensive to sundial to a very stingy and broken up busted up grind in this season it wasn't really it didn't feel like you could get into a very clear and accessible content rhythm and lane it was really really broken apart and busted up uh the weapons were very just sort of eh, shrug at them. I defended them earlier in the season until I saw the effect that Tyrant Surge had on Warmind Cell creation. I believe they got it backwards. I think that Tyrant Surge, you know, efficiency level should have been the efficiency level of the guns. And then Tyrant Surge could have been a nice, like, additional hey, if you happen to be running this subclass, you can generate some more. Then Guardian Games, an utter disaster, an utter failure. It was a joke of an event. It wasn't as designed well the thing they tried to avoid happened anyway titans ran away with it because it wasn't designed very it wasn't designed with you know creating those laurels in with any sense of what class was going to seem to be the easiest trials also fell flat on its face no adept weaponry cheaters running rampant low card farming a lot of things they should have had foresight about felt just completely on its face um making the tower event harder landed like a lead balloon they snuck it in during guardian games when nobody was paying attention to it because i think they knew it was bad and then there was a triumph attached to it that's really hard to get unless you like try to take over a thing so it sounds like i'm being super negative it's because this season sucked okay the the fell winter quest was an absolute joke 
I mean, I don't even know what happened. Some of that could have come down to COVID. Maybe they just couldn't really get quality assurance in line for the late ads of the season. I don't want to be too hard on them, but that also was really disappointing. If I would have been on the team that worked on the Fellwinter Quest and the story and the Warmind like dungeon that we go down to, the, the, the bunker where we see the original Rasputin, I'd be so disappointed that they bumbled and fumbled that. Uh, the Warmind bits at the end of the season, they're not worth anything. If you turn them in, you lose legendary shards. People got up my nose knows about this on YouTube they're like what's the problem with that well ordinarily when I buy a weapon frame to get a weapon or I try to get an engram I'm not throwing away legendary shards usually if you're a very committed player and you have an overabundance of a currency it nets you some type of gain and the war mine bits are literally worthless so another just just awful end to the season. Um, I'm glad they're doing this in the skybox. I'm glad they're doing their first ever live event because it can really distract from the fact this season just crawled over the finish line with about eight broken limbs. It just does. It just did not get there. It was a very, very bad season. So lastly, I want to talk about bandwidth. Okay. It really, really feels like this season just got less bandwidth. Not a lot of oversight, not a lot of forethought. Seems very slapped together. It even seems like, as I said, the Tower Events was an old piece of content that they slapped in. It feels like Warmind era content. It doesn't feel like new content in light of Menagerie, Vex Offensive, and Sundial. So I don't think they got a lot of bandwidth. Now, that doesn't make it better, but it does seem like the summer and September are about to be just knockout, home run, awesome times in the game. That doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make what they did suddenly more satisfying. So hopefully in the future, if if there is a season that's going to get less bandwidth, that's a likely result, okay? There may be seasons going forward that are like, you guys are going to get less bandwidth. You're going to be a smaller team. If that happens, okay, take your lumps and your lessons from this season and figure out how to get the absolute best, the absolute best way to get the content in a better, better place, okay? If you're going to have seasons with, you know, low bandwidth, use this season as a testing ground to say, what could we do better with limited bandwidth? Because this season was an absolute strikeout. I've continued to say it was an inning in a baseball game where they got nobody on base and they got no home runs. I actually think they got players on base. The story beats got on base and the war mine cells got on base and they got left stranded out there because they were attached to bad foundation. So hopefully if there are future seasons that have less bandwidth, they can do a much better job with that limited, you know, limited resources and hit more knockouts. So if you're here right now, don't go anywhere. We're about to watch this event transpire over the next 25 minutes. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at say no to rage.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my season of the Worthy Review Q&A session. Uh, These are starting to happen before the videos, but they come paired together. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at SayNoToRage.com. I am probably live right now, so if you go to SayNoToRage.com, it'll bring you right to my Twitch channel. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can probably also find the full podcast episodes at SNTR Presents on any podcast platform just search for that like share subscribe and the bell button on youtube helps me out a lot we're doing this a little different we're actually streaming on a saturday morning because of the event so i'm doing this q a and talk as a lead up to the event on saturday so when this hits on monday on youtube and the podcast just remember the event hasn't happened yet i, I recorded this beforehand 
So, R. Tyler Lynn with the first question. How do you think Bungie can make exotic primaries more relevant in Endgame? Uh, I feel like the season demonstrated that they need some attention. There are so many lanes of approach here. Number one, they need to be able to use champion mods. That's kind of a given at this point. Second, right? Second, I think what they need to do is allow them more often to leave their lane. And that's the big thing I've been saying lately. The only way exotics are going to get traction if they're not a heavier or secondary is if they leave their lane. Divinity and Coldheart kind of leave their lane. They, they, they kind of can do some good DPS and feel like a pretty low-key heavy even though they're a secondary weapon. Primaries don't really get to leave their lane all that often as exotics, except for maybe the outbreak perfected, but like everybody has to run it. So my common answer lately has been that. They, they must put champion mod slots on them, and they also have to consider how can we make these weapons better or stronger in an effort to make them leave their lane, because the power exchange just doesn't work. If you take off your Divinity or your Xenophage or your Anarchy or your 1k Voices and you put on an exotic primary and you run that in in PvE, the power exchange there is pretty crummy. What you lose in power on the heavy, you don't really gain almost anything back on the primary. I'm not expecting that to be a fair exchange, by the way. Like, it's not like suddenly you're like, yeah, let me put away my Anarchy and I've got this exotic SMG that's as powerful as the Anarchy. But it needs to be a little bit more closer of a trade. It's like a complete ripoff right now. Like, you really, really hamper your efficiency and your damage and your loadout power by going to an exotic primary in PvE. There's, there aren't a lot of them that are even worth using. Um, they just aren't strong enough. JD Correctly. What lessons do you think Bungie took away from Season of the Worthy? Well, the sad thing is, I don't think on the PvE side there were any lessons that they didn't already know. I feel like the PvE side was a lot of recycled content. I think that the tower event was something they built for Warmind, and it was just a stay over. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons it plays according to the old rules. It's match made in the public space and failable. That's something they've been trying to avoid. I mean, I know they did it again with Blind Well, but it's Blind Well wasn't like a mainstay activity. Um, Blindwell was probably also in development around the time that people were maybe even providing that feedback and maybe they did not have time to divert how it was designed because it was being designed, you know, leading up to year two. I, right now, th- there's there's no way they're in the dark about what we think about that and I don't think they were even in the dark before the season went live. I'm fairly certain Bungie knew we were not going to like having a public space non-match-made failable event. Those events just, they suck. I mean, there's no other word for it. It doesn't make for good content. It's not good for the general public to just try to come together and do it. It's just irritating and not fun. Um, I think they probably learned the most valuable lessons with Trials of Osiris because Trials of Osiris uh, had really, really good logistical decisions made, but in my opinion, they continue to fail to really understand what's needed. Um, they're taking away tokens. You don't get tokens now when you lose. Uh, so they remove the win requirement so you can spend your tokens once you complete that bounty, but now they're going to make it harder to get tokens. I'm like, man, you you guys just don't seem to get it. I don't want to turn into the Destiny subreddit Karen that like thinks I know better than Bungie, but it really does feel like they just don't get it. It's like you really can't continue to make it hard for casuals to play trials and you guys are like you guys are like 
picking them up off the ground and then shoving them back down again. Hey, casuals, we took away the win requirement. Then you shove them back down again. You're like, yeah, but you're not going to get any tokens for losses. It's like, what the actual frick? Like, why not? Like, where's the harm? Okay. Where's the harm in just being accessible and generous? What what are you worried about? Now, maybe they're worried about, like, once the loot's better or once there's new loot in September or whatever, they're worried about making decisions now that'll affect the future. But I'm like, I, I don't think you guys get it. I, I really don't think you get it. You have to have a wide, accessible funnel for casuals, and then you heavily weight the back end of the card and, and flawless. Like... You guys don't get it. Whoever's in charge of trials, I I really don't think they get it. And I don't like saying that. That sounds like I'm a know-it-all and like I know better than them. But for Frick's sake, it's like you've, you've learned time and time again that if it's an unrewarding experience for the casuals, it's damaging to the playlist. And I'm not saying trials should be made for casuals. What I'm saying is is that it feels if it feels inaccessible to casuals it's damaging to the playlist they did this in rise of iron i mean it, it the, the bounties didn't have new stuff casuals vacated the player pool and it hurt the playlist matchmaking took longer games were more laggy games were more sweaty and people complained so i I've been really, really hard on them about trials, and I'm not letting up because they finally decide to make a bunch of changes in the summer, and I feel like they are just striking out again. I'm going to make a video. I think I might do this one on Monday. I think they need to put trials on hold. Number one, reestablish new leadership in front of trials. Whoever's in charge, whoever the project lead is over trials, I don't think gets it. They either need to have their complete vision altered on like what needs to happen or somebody else needs to be put in charge because they did a poor job with execution and launch. And now in their adjustments, it, they're making more mistakes. So... I don't think trials will get any better in the summer. I think casuals will still just completely stay away. I think cheating will still be a problem on PC because they don't have true anti-cheat. And I think it's time to basically say, you know what? It, As I said many times when this came up and I said it on the Rageous Roundtable, you're choosing between two vicious cycles. There's the vicious cycle of like taking it out of the game and people being like, you already took it out of the game once. What the frick, right? That's a vicious cycle. The other vicious cycle is leave it in the game and have it be another disaster for an entire season where people complain and the player pool dies. Like, what? It's, it's, it's a vicious cycle no matter how you shake it. I mean, what do they even net this last weekend player-wise? Like, I, I have not even been checking it. Uh, I've not even been covering it. I'm pulling up the trials report uh, right now. They netted 95,000 players this last weekend. That's a literal joke. That's a that's a literal joke. 95,000? Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's the weekend right now. Last weekend was 166. We're at 95 right now. I'm sorry. I don't want to misrepresent the situation. I forgot it was Saturday. I'm normally not streaming. <laughs> I'm not I'm normally not streaming on Saturdays. Okay, so last week was 166 and then somebody's saying 180. It's less than 200,000, okay? Less than 200,000 is awful, right? Right now they're at 95,000. They're probably on pace to land in a similar spot, like mid 100,000s, upper 100,000s. That's awful. That's super, super low. That That's an entire weekend, right? That's an entire weekend, and that's all they muster. And Charlemagne reporting, let's, let's see, let's see what Gambit got. This is where, this is where it really hurts. 
So Gambit had 166,000 people playing uh, playing Gambit in the last 24 hours. So in the last 24 hours, Gambit had almost as many people playing it as Trials gets an entire weekend. Like, it, <laughs> it doesn't, it, it just, that that's not a good, that's not good. Like, in a 24-hour period, Gambit should not be having more people playing it than freaking Trials. Like, that's awful. Because that's a whole weekend, by the way. Like, the entire weekend of Trials is barely outdoing a day of Gambit. Like, that's really, really bad. I think you put the whole thing on hold. Um, you have I, I really think you have to have a better a better you know anti-cheat effort. What they're doing now isn't working. Somebody said this morning they literally played somebody in trials this weekend who was advertising their discount code for you know perfect aim, that aimbot. They were advertising their discount code like in their username. I mean, talk about a mockery. I mean that that's unbelievable. So I'm of the opinion that you put the whole thing on hold because even now their quality of life updates I think are going to fall flat and make things and make things even worse and make people make people even more angry and more hesitant to come back and play trials. Uh, Team main. What would have been a better way to implement the Seraph Tower event on each planet? I mean, at a ground level, I'm going to talk about this in the video, obviously, uh, matchmaking, not, not failable. Uh, why is there a power delta on it? It's the entry point to the new season. Like, why is it 980 with a thousand level bosses? Everybody came into the season at 950. Like, what the frick are we doing? Like, they, it was like, it was almost like there were boxes that they checked. Like, here's things not to do. And they just checked all those boxes. It's like, why, what is happening? Like, those are the ground level things that they need to do differently. Like the event itself, when you're with a group, if you manage to do it, right? You like take over a public space and you have three people at each platform. It's actually a pretty fun event when you have a group of people. If you don't have a group of people and you're with Randy's and stuff and it's, you know, blueberries, it's awful. Like, especially Again, complete lack of oversight. So pull up in the director and look at IO and let me outline all the problems with the with the Seraph Tower being in the rupture. Okay. First and foremost, it's where the NPC is. So how many people how many people are going to the rupture for the NPC? There's probably a decent amount of people every day that that's where they go first to grab the bounties from him. So anybody going to IO, if they are going, are likely to go to this instance first. They're also going to this instance for the bunker itself, okay? So the instance on IO for the tower is constantly getting hijacked like spaces in the instance are constantly getting hijacked by people that are not even going to the event they're going there for the bunker they're going there for the npc it this was terrible terrible lack of oversight and forethought io is one of the hardest to do a lot of the times because literally nobody's in the instance now for whatever reason they had the wherewithal to know you put the bunker in the sludge on the EDZ, you put the ter- the tower in the winding cove, and then the planet's NPC is over in Trossland. Same thing on the moon, right? Eris Morn is down here, the bunker is in anchor, I'm sorry, the bunker is in Archer's Line, and the tower events in Anchor of Light. They keep them all separate. 
So IO is a literal disaster because it's it's a shared it's a shared instance location with all these other things people are doing. So everybody lands in that instance and they don't even come over to the tower event. They're not even coming over to what you're doing. If people are instancing into the winding cove or driving over to Archer's line, they're likely going there for, you know, they're actually going there for that particular event. They're, I'm sorry, Anchor of Light. They're driving over to Anchor of Light. I knew I got it wrong. Um and so they're more likely to be there for the event as opposed to everyone instancing into IO. So it's 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 really really hard to talk about the Seraph Tower event because you it, everything there's so you just keep thinking of other things to say that are negative and critical. They just did a terrible job with them. They're awful. Um, <laughs> I just it's un, it's really really unfortunate because I love Rasputin. I love the aesthetic. I love the ideas they had this season with Warmind cells and bringing back the javelin that you can grab and throw. Summoning robots is cool. They did some really really cool stuff, but it's all. It's all built on a horrible foundation. So it all ends up kind of crumbling. Uh, Tosius Crayon. I think the Seraph weapons are cool Warrior looking. Needs coffee badly. Thank you for ordering some Rageous Roast coffee. I think the Seraph uh, weapons are cool looking and have okay perks. But do you think that they would have helped by a weapon that spawned Warmind cells more often? Oh, a weapon mod that spawns them more often. I think this is one of the biggest sort of indictments of the Seraph weapons. I've changed my position on this. Um, I basically opened up the season talking about how the Seraph weapons were getting written off and they actually were cool. They had some decent roles and they could generate the Warmind cells, okay? In practice, as the season went on, I kind of saw that, no, these weapons actually do suck because the, the on when you go into your menu and you go to the artifact, if you run tyrant's surge that's a thousand times more effective at generating the warmind cells than the weapons so that mod all by itself kind of invalidated it kind of invalidated the uh, the the weapons themselves like nobody nobody wants to really run the weapons they're super inefficient at generating the warmind cells personally i think bungie got it backwards i think that the weapons should have generated them incredibly consistently so that then uh, you know people would have wanted them and run them and then tyrant surge could have been like a hey you know th- this will happen every now and again if you're running arc and here you know and make it you know cost a little bit less or something I think they got it backwards. I think the weapons should have been generating them like all the time. Like maybe even do it like every rapid kill gets a, gets a war mine cell. So they're just all over the freaking place. Yeah, there's also a mod that yeah makes the sunshot good at creating them because they can you know get the dragonfly kills. I just again is a great idea, and then they just the execution. I I just I'm, they they fumbled it. I, it's like. All you had to do was run a Nightfall with Warmind Cell build with the weapons and then run it with Tyrant Surge and it would have been really easy to see. Yeah, we, we kinda, we're, we're kind of swinging at this from the wrong angle here. If we want people to be interested in the weapons and use the weapons, we've got this backwards. Uh, Tyrant Surge basically invalidates the weapons and no one's going to run them because this is better. Like, I can punch, throw a grenade, or do my super and there's freaking Warmind Cells everywhere. So... And that's getting retired, by the way, so. Becky DeGrave Squirrel. Should towers or bunkers or upgradable objectives make a comeback? I personally vote no. 
I think I, my vote is yes, but they need to streamline it. I think later in the Q&A, somebody asks about the UI. So I'm kind of going to touch on this now. I think the UI for the bunkers was like drinking from a fire hose. It was stupid. Like you didn't need to be like, here's tier one, here's tier two, here's tier three. You literally could have had one row of upgrades um, that you would have invested in and bought. That didn't need to be the way that the way they set it up was just, it was so much information and it wasn't necessarily super clear as to what you were even doing um so i actually thought the obelisks were a really really good iteration on invest in this thing and you'll get benefits i've continued to say they need to do that with the npcs when you visit shax or zavala i think they should look like an obelisk they should have a bunch of things you unlock and perks and benefits and as you grind the season it's more effective for you to get certain items to drop or certain pursuits are a little bit easier because you've taken the time to invest in the npc um I've been saying that for a while. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, that expression is, don't completely get rid of the system, make the system better, is essentially what that means. Like, don't just throw the whole idea out. I think investing in and leveling things is actually a, a great system, but it hasn't been done all that well. I thought the obelisks were good. I thought the bunkers were bad. So we haven't gotten in like a, a good evolution of it. We went from one season to the next, and it, it really degraded in its quality. Next question. The Nanobot. Do you think this live event will give us a hint at what the next season will be? No. I don't. I think this live event is literally... It's literally to land the plane of Rasputin and the Almighty. Like, we're, we're, we're ending... We're bringing that story uh, to a closure is what I think it's primarily meant to do. Uh, Dalt... Daltman Gamer... What do you think about Tommy's matchbook? Were you underwhelmed uh, or were you content with it? It was fun. It looked cool. It was. It's great. I think it's great weapon design. I really do. I think it's great weapon design. But I think the big again. I think Tommy's matchbook lands in a category that other exotic primaries do. It doesn't seem strong enough to justify using. It's fun and it's cool, but if I'm going to go into an area where solar damage is being buffed, for example. Maybe it's a solar burn that week. There are two weapons that are really making it hard to use Tommy's matchbook. The Xenophage and the 1K Voices. So it being solar kind of hurts it. It being a primary also kind of hurts it. We don't really need primaries to be stronger. Like, you have tons of strong primaries right now. Um, with the Warlock Rift is pretty OP. I Again... Anytime you have to say, oh, it's pretty strong if you do blank, 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 blank. I'm like, okay, it's an exotic. I shouldn't have to hold its freaking hand. Yeah, then the air apparent, right? The air apparent is solar too. So it's really, really hard. It, it, it's got a lot working against it. It's The solar doesn't help. And the fact that like you have to like give it a bunch of things to make it good makes it, you know, yeah, Ariana's Vow is another thing kind of standing in its way because Ariana's Vow has a functional purpose in tough content. Ariana's Vow is kind of meta in some of the harder content for the shields, for the anti-barrier. Um, if it did anti-barrier, I bet it would have gotten a lot more play because then it would have had a, like a functional purpose. Um as opposed to, you know, it it just was like a cool exotic was kind of all it was. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest. 
I do think there's room in the game for just cool exotics because not everybody plays the game that we play. I think sometimes exotics are literally put in the game for that reason. They're not there for us. They're not there for optimizers. They're not there for DPS, you know, testers. They're literally there because it's cool. And someone's like, dude, I bought the season pass and this gun is so fun. And that's all that freaking matters. I really, I really do think a lot of the times functionally, these exotics are used for sort of a marketing sort of, Hey, this is fun for the casuals. And that's essentially it. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but I do think it's one of the reasons that a lot of the exotics are like, not that exciting. I don't really think they're there for us. You know, I always tell people, Zer's not really there for you. He's there for people that don't play as often and they're trying to like fill gaps and maybe get an exotic that they can't seem to get their hands on. Uh, A lot of the primaries, I think, land in that category. If you think about when we started Destiny 2, they did that, right? They gave you Cold Heart, uh, they gave you the Cold Heart, Graviton Lance, Risk Runner, and the Sunshot were all like handed to you, right? Now, Cold Heart was really, really strong back then, but as time has gone on, all of the the, the Sunshot, Graviton Lance, uh, and the Risk Runner, they're not terrible. Like, Risk Runner definitely has its place and is really fun. Why? Well, they made a bunch of buffs to it. Risk Runner didn't... what. Like, Risk Runner didn't retain any value. It was given value. And I think that's one of the things they have to do. They have to go back and say, let's make this let's make this weapon better, like they did with the Risk Runner. They made the Sunshot better. You know, the, I think one of the only ways you kind of pull some of those weapons up out of the gutter is you're going to have to go back and give them a pass. But you also have to remember, sometimes it's literally just a cool weapon. Like, a lot of folks aren't going to go into endgame challenging content with the sunshot or a risk runner. They're not going to do that. They're going to run 1K, Xeno, uh, you know, any of the anarchy, maybe even is it, a lot of people are running Izanagi's, a lot of people are running Divinity or Ariana's Val. Um, I would actually attribute a lot of what I just said to why Bungie creating unique pain points in combat that we meet with certain loadout decisions is where they need to go. Think about everything I just said. A lot of what dictates your loadout right now are unique new pain points. You might run Divinity. You might run Ariana's Vow or Izanagi's. Those are all attempting to meet new pain points in the content. And I really do think that that's kind of the future for Bungie's combat evolution to keep things going, to keep things feeling uh, fresh and and new and not so like, man, I I just, I feel like we're always doing the same thing. I feel like the same loadouts are always the best. Uh, I definitely think everything we just outlined shows that they can really lean into putting way more champions in the game and really empowering us to give us a whole lot more freedom to mitigate those pain points of champions with more freedom of where the mods can go, more freedom of how many champion mods you can equip. Uh, All these things, I believe, could really, really lead to better evolution of Destiny's combat. Uh, Next question from Hydrogen Force. Do you think that there could be any undiscovered secret exotic quest? At this point, no, absolutely not. If they did something, we would know about it right now. Um... There's no, there's no question that we would know about it. Now, are they going to do maybe one next season or something? 
I think they can do surprise quests. I would say until we get into September, my prediction is sort of right right now that because of their limited space in the game, you're not going to have zero hour and and like whisper quests because that's a massive amount of development and space in the game for literally one weapon. So I would say until we get on the other side of September and we have a better idea of how they plan to grow the game and expand the game, uh, until we get to that side of everything, my continued, you know, prediction, you're not going to see a zero hour or a whisper quest in the summer because that's just a ton of space for literally a gun. And I don't see them doing that. Doge. What are your thoughts on the presentation of the bunker vendor interface and if you could change it for a future season, how? Yeah, we touched on this. I knew this question was coming. I do agree that the UI for the bunker was was really, really tough to interact with. It was cumbersome. It was big. Uh, it wasn't particularly clear. It wasn't really even tethered to your to your behavior so like think about it like this like so early on when you were interacting with the bunker a lot of what you were buying you were kind of like i don't know what any of that is i know i haven't even done any of that stuff yet i haven't been, i haven't run a legendary lost sector it's a thousand level like i'm not doing that yet so i think bungie could have done a better job synergizing the grind on the bunker with the actual things that you were getting from it like oh i'm doing this activity to raise the level of the bunker and in this activity eventually i'll be able to get the robots and all the things you're buying for so i think some of it was really disjointed like it wasn't even connected to your early season activity grind because nobody was running in and doing legendary lost sectors right away they were a thousand levels like you're 950 you're spending a while getting up to a thousand now somebody might say well, but yeah, but that's kind of creating and planting those seeds. You're getting those benefits, you're getting those things, and then eventually you're like, oh, cool, now I can go run Legendary Lost Sectors. I could see that side of it, but it just, it felt very, very, uh, it, it just felt really disjointed. It didn't feel super connected to what you were doing in the game. Um, and like I said, it was like drinking from a fire hose. It was like, it was like, I don't even know how many blocks of like blocks that there were to check. Was it like eight across and three down? It's like 24 to 30 blocks that you're like, what is all of this for? Um, it didn't, it didn't, it seemed daunting and confusing. And I think they could have just done a better job with it. So for Kato, what's your take on the fact that most of the story development of the seasonal model in year three was made available in the lore entries? What efforts could Bungie make uh, to make the story feel more alive in the game? This is where I don't agree. I think a lot of people are being really, really unfair this season, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to continue to defend the storytelling. I thought the storytelling was excellent. Uh, we had the really, really good, cool cutscene handoff to this season with Osiris confronting Rasputin. Then you had cutscenes with Zavala and uh, Anna Bray. Then week to week, we had dialogue with them. Then we saw the pyramid ships. We learned that Rasputin was there at the collapse. Then the dots on the radar were getting closer, so the pyramid ships are looming. Then we go down into a bunker and see the original Rasputin. We get Felwinter's backstory. I completely disagree with this take. People continue to really beat up this season story-wise. I think that's the biggest disappointment I have is they actually did really cool story beats, but the season really sucked and it's like overshadowing it. Um, 
I don't know. Oh, not only the season year three overall. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's fair either for Kato. There was tons of story and cutscene and story beats in Shadowkeep. Every week you had dialogue with Eris if you did her one thing and like showed up to her to get your reward or whatever. Again, I don't think I agree with this. The storytelling in Dawn was dope. We rescued Saint 14. He punched his way out of that little gate. I don't, I just, I think this take is really, really unfair to what we got this year so far. Year three storytelling is so much better. Um, the story felt so detached from what we were doing. What do you mean though? I, what do you mean by detached? You can't have the story intrinsically linked with everything you're doing. You know, you're running some tower event, you're doing this, like, I don't know. I don't agree. The storytelling wasn't executed properly. I think people are completely misremembering how absent and disjointed and like episodic storytelling has been up to this point. I think y'all, you all are like not really remembering year two. You're not remembering Destiny 1. Storytelling is way better now than it's ever been. I think y'all are being really unfair. I think we got an upgrade in storytelling and you're being persnickety and nitpicky about like, yeah, but it didn't really feel tied to like the towers or this or that. Like storytelling in year two, we had Forsaken was awesome. But then once you got into the seasonal format, there was no storytelling. It was like Ada showed up. What the frick's going on? And we forged weapons with her. That was basically it drifter we, we don't now now i will admit the end of drifter got dope if you were going and watching his scenes and uh when he with his scenes with the nine and then opulence what what the frick was the story for opulence i don't know yeah drifter ironically again the worst season had the best storytelling <laughs> so I don't know. I love reading the lore, don't get me wrong, but I feel like a lot of people in the community are too tied to the cutscene model and the story being told to them rather than going deep into the nitty-gritty. I love the story beats this season. I know... I, I, I'm not necessarily singling you out for Kato. I'm also interacting with Chad. I, I think we have gotten an upgrade in storytelling. Is it perfect? Is it the best ever? I think it's better than what we've gotten before. I think it's better. Um, so in, in that vein, in that vein, I'm not, I'm not super concerned about like the storytelling evolution. I think they brought things. I think they brought things into a very, very good, uh, very, very good direction. I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I do not agree with people that are acting like the storytelling this season wasn't good or, or they dropped the ball or uh, even this year, even this year, I think year three storytelling has been pretty dope. There come on dude shadow keep storytelling was awesome they brought the pyramid ships back in we talked to somebody from the pyramid ship like we 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 learned about like eris morn's fire team like man oh man i just really think you guys are being unfair to year three year three storytelling has been excellent it really has been excellent osiris comes back in we save saint 14 osiris confronts rasputin like i don't know man Year three has been stellar in realm of storytelling. You can call me, I mean, you can say I'm a, being an apologist or something, but like, I don't know, dude. I feel like they've done a good job. Um, hang on, we've had some subs come through. Master Zonk with 24 months. I'm so sorry I missed this one. That's a gold badge. 38 months from Brian was here, and then two new ones, two new prime sub, Bambalorian and Slat742. Enjoy the dope badges, emotes, and ad free viewing. So. I won't belabor the point. It's subjective, right? It's subjective. Um, but Shadowkeep just sort of ended. No, it didn't. 
they left it was a cliffhanger just like King's Fall just like taking King it was it was it was almost analogous to taking King's ending Eris Morn walks in a room we don't know what she's doing and she touches something and she's like oh wow this is important she did the same thing at the end of the, of, of, of taking King she goes in and is like, you were right, my queen. The guardian was the key. At the end of Shadowkeep, she goes in and, like, touches the statue and, like, absorbs the power or something? Like, I don't know. Thanks for the great takes, news. You're enthusiastic about some great efforts this year. Oh, thank you. Blue's Actual just gifted five subs to the community. I don't know, dude. We'll, we'll just have to agree to disagree. People that thought this, 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 you know, this year or season storytelling has been bad, I'm, I, I... I actually am on the other end of the spectrum. I think it's been great, and I'm looking forward to more. Um, Eris said she'll get back to us about the artifact, but she hasn't yet. Yeah, that's called storytelling, Lord of Time. Have you ever watched a TV show where they're like, oh my gosh, so-and-so just found this hidden room, and then they spend four episodes not talking about it? That's called storytelling. They're, you're acting like the minute they introduce a story element, they have to wrap it up right then and there, or that's a fault or a flaw or something. They do that all the time in TV shows. That's that's how they keep you hooked. They do that in books I read to my kids. My daughter's like, oh, I want to know what happens next with Heather. I'm like, sorry, the next chapter is not about Heather. The next, the next chapter is about uh, her brother. Like, that drove my daughter crazy in the Green Ember she, because of the cliffhanger aspect of it. That is such common storytelling. I mean, they introduced the pyramid ships in the in vanilla. In vanilla, and we're just now seeing them come to fruition. I think it's been cool. Um, what's your opinion on this on the season seasonal mods? I think seasonal mods are a great way to keep things fresh. I continue to say Bungie needs to lean into modifiers to promote their usage. There should have been modifiers in Nightfalls promoting Warmind Cell usage. So, I think September DLC is Shadowkeep Part 2. I think the September DLC is Destiny 2 Part 2, Lord of Time. Because it's related to vanilla. It's related to the pyramid ships. It's related to everything. I think it's literally like the sequel to itself. You know, turkey burgers get a bad rap. You've never had one before now. Oh, you get some good ones. Get some Beyond Meat. They're excellent. I actually kind of prefer Beyond Meat. They taste like a burger. They they they're excellent, and they like it's not hard on your stomach. Like sometimes you eat a burger and you're like, especially if you eat it fast. You know, red meats can kind of can be kind of hard on your stomach. Like Beyond Meat burgers are actually excellent. Um, I don't think they're they might not even be turkey burgers. I'm not sure what Beyond Meat um burgers are made from but they're, they taste really good. Um, my wife gets them, and she likes them, and periodically I've had them. Uh, Alphasia. It seems Bungie is trying to please everyone, new light and end game players included. From a profitability longevity standpoint, should they continue this or pick a lane and focus on a demo like Fortnite did? I don't think these things are juxtaposed. I really don't. I think they can focus on the spectrum of player. Oh, they're made from plants. Okay. You guys hear me bang on this drum a lot. I, I get on this I get on this hobby horse a lot. I talk about spectrum. Uh, you know, not the uh, not the not the not the internet company. Uh, the spectrum of player. I think the spectrum of player is incredibly important. I think it's more important than acting like one side of the game is at war with the other. Like the hardcores hate the casuals and the casuals hate the hardcore. That's why I think so many of the input from streamers, 
a lot of the times or you know they're more hardcore i think a lot of their input's bad because they end up focusing too heavily on their side of the game and those systems wouldn't have good elasticity and they wouldn't have good spectrum implementation they would end up lopsiding the game this is what happened when escalation protocol was too hard that was from streamer input infusion was too costly and leveling was too slow that was from streamer input like I don't think we want to continue to do that. I think the best thing to always do is consider the game's spectrum. And I think the best executions of considering the player spectrum have been event um, um, activities like Menagerie and Sundial. I think those are the most player spectrum cognizant activities. Now, they don't go far enough. The, the, the lack of a true loot incentive in the harder versions is a failure uh, to to deliver to the aspirational players. And Luke Smith has admitted that. They have not done a good job with aspiration. So they've done a, they've done a decent job uh, they've done a decent job with, with, with aspiration. I'm sorry, with spectrum, but they haven't actually done a good job with aspiration. Do people actually enjoy leveling every season? I'm telling you leveling as a subject is so confusing to me. Cause like hardcore players get angry that it goes really fast, but they're the ones that save bounties. They're the ones that take the shortcuts. They're the ones that play for 16 hours a day. They hit max level within a week or two. That's not a value transmission. That's like stupid. Like that's not, you're not doing anything. And the only way to slow down leveling for players like that is to put everybody else on a treadmill. So the complaints about leveling always ring hollow for me because it's not content and it never lasts long anyway. Even when, even when leveling was slow and painful, it still was being, being like sort of outsmarted by the hardcore players. So leveling has been streamlined. I still don't think it's where it should be. It's much better than it used to be, but leveling has been streamlined Infusion has been streamlined. Um, I, the, the, uh, the hardcore influence has definitely, uh, taken a bit of a backseat. Now it hasn't taken a backseat with respect to aspiration and aspirational rewards. They're focusing on that. So they're not starving the hardcore players anymore. They're trying to come up with ways to keep those players invested. But I'm telling you right now, if you were Bungie and you looked at the player base behavior, who do you think you're more likely to keep engaged in playing? The people who play for 10 hours a day or the people who play for 10 hours a week? Who do you think's easier to keep engaged? I think it's the non-hardcore players. Hardcore players are going to rip through whatever you come up with. They're going to shred it. I said the other day, like, the Destiny community is like piranhas. Like, they're going to demolish whatever game you throw at them. They're going to consume it at a rate that no developer can stay in front of. So... Bungie is attempting to come up with aspirational pursuits, but that still doesn't mean they're going to keep you playing all season long. I still think even under the new systems with their focus on aspirational armor pursuit every season and better rewards in the raid or dungeons or adept weapons and trials, I still think you're going to get about halfway through a season and hardcore players are going to say, I'm kind of out of stuff to do. I don't think that's ever going to go away. They play at a rate that you just, you cannot get in front of their engagement rhythms. It's almost impossible. They're, they're so committed. And not only, here's the two blades you're trying to fight against. Hardcore players play a bunch, right? They play a bunch. That's a blade that you're trying to like, you're trying to fight against. Also, there's another blade in place. 
they're really, really adept at the game. They know how to find shortcuts. They know how to find the most efficient grinds, the, the, you know, the cheeses and the, the, that's why people live in lost sectors, right? So you're fighting against two blades. Uh, Speed Razor just gifted 10 subs and a $10 tip from Spark Hunter. I was hoping you accept my friend request on Discord, please. It would make my day. I don't do that. I'm sorry. I appreciate the $10, but I don't accept friend requests on Discord. Uh, it's just not something that I do. I keep certain things very, very gated off because uh, I don't I don't want to get overrun with you know requests or questions or anything like that. That's just not something that I do. Um, so... Um, so to, to, to land the plane on my question, you know, the answer to your question here, I think they need to focus on spectrum, but I think hardcore players need to always understand they're at the edge of the wave. They're right at the edge of the wave. You're always on the front end of everything. So anytime they drop a quest or an exotic or anything, you're going to be basically there ready to consume it right away. And other people aren't there yet, you know? Imagine, you guys love my food analogies. It's like a 15-course meal, and you're eating faster than everybody else. So you're sitting there eating, and you're eating, and you're eating, and your appetite and your metabolism is way higher than everybody else's. So you're like, okay, what's next? What's next? And they're like, okay, well, here is a drumstick. And you're like, that's it? And everybody else at the table is taking their time. They're not quite there yet. Well, since you're literally done with everything else that's already come out, that drumstick seems really, really small. So like drip feed content, I think sometimes frustrates the hardcore player because you don't see the 18 course meal. You see the single course that comes out and you're like, oh, frick this. This is nothing. This is absolutely nothing. And the rest of the player pool is like, oh, I'll get to that eventually. I'll get to that eventually. That's fine. But you're looking at it all by itself. Now, if you press the pause button and you look at what everybody else is eating and how they're eating and you see larger plates still full of food, you see, you know, the meal as a whole, you're like, there's actually a lot of food here. But when you're at the front edge of the wave, you're at the front, you've done everything, you've got nothing left to do and you're like, all right, what's next? Boom. They drop it in your hand. You're like, this isn't, this isn't enough. When you take it as when you take the meal as a whole, it's there's a lot there for $10. But when you're at the front of the wave, it's not going to feel like a lot cuz you you basically are like, "All right, what next? I'm starving." Oh my gosh, and out comes a drumstick and you're like, "That's literally it? Just a drumstick? That's not enough. You're waiting for a meal and all they're bringing out is a course. Like they're bringing out a course of the entire meal." So, I think that always needs to sort of be in your mind as a more hardcore player that you are never going to feel like you can play endlessly and and just you just never want to have anything to do now i do think i do think thank you flying mangoes for 10 months and 25 months from myth of zur i think bungie could start being smarter about capstone grinds that would make you feel like you're not quite done transmog might feel that way because you're like you know what i could work on that armor set i want to convert that into an an ornamental set right that's like a capstone grind it's like well i'm done and now i want to convert it into ornaments um i that this is one of the reasons i argued for elemental primaries because then it's like the more casual player isn't going to be concerned about getting a spare rations with arc solar and void a god roll spare rations one of every color right that you can't do that right now, but imagine if you could. Um, that's more of a capstone grind. 
That's like, oh, the, the, the casuals don't really care about that. They're happy to get a decent spare rations, but the hardcore player's like, no, I want this specific role and I want one of every color. So that extends grind for them, and I think that's one of the things Bungie has to really, really consider doing, answering that question. How can we create capstone grinds that are more appealing than titles? I think titles was their first effort in a capstone grind. You're like, well, I'm basically done with everything. I can now work on a title. It's a little checklist. It's like a chore. It's a grind. It's slow. Um, So... More and more and more, if Bungie can feed that upper echelon player those capstone grinds, you'll probably feel done with the season closer to the end of it, which will feel more healthy. You're like, well, there's two or three weeks left. They'll probably do some last hurrah event. I'm kind of done, and now I can kind of wait for the next season. Right now, what's been happening is hardcore players are done after a month, and then they spend the final two months basically holding out their hands for meager portions that are remaining in the season drip, and they're like, this sucks. Like they're they're getting a, they're getting ahead of the wave. They're way ahead of the curve, and they're 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 not in line with the you know the the number of hours that that are going to be needed to get the things they need. If they don't respect the player's time, it means nothing. Well, you what are you anti sunsetting? Is that the platitude you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna invoke? They're not respecting the player's time because of sunsetting. I don't have time for that debate. Um, Mortar Eater. Is the light level going up with the new season? I would assume so. I think that's a standard going forward because of sunsetting. Aroba. While the last week of Almighty related incidents have been awesome, do you think it makes up for 11 weeks of being absent from the story? Listen, it's one of those things where I don't know how much gravity they could give to a giant ship slowly traveling to Earth for three months. If it was a meteor or something else, I mean... I don't know what people kind of wanted them to do other than I, I do think Bungie missed an opportunity and this is just good feedback for them. If you're going to have a looming threat story that's also drip fed, why didn't we periodically go to the almighty? Like we could have had one mission every other week where we're going and making preparations and like Rasputin's making us adding, you know, adding like targeting systems or, or targeting beacons, but then the targeting beacons get destroyed and we discover there's like, there's like a remnant cabal force there that we have to get rid of and dispatch of. The the Almighty's already built. I mean, they could have done something like that. This starts to get woulda, shoulda, coulda, and I don't like doing woulda, shoulda, coulda. It's kind of pointless, but I think as a lesson for Bungie, if they want to do drip feed story like this, I think there are some things they could have done better and that would have been one of them. Every other week we could have gone to the Almighty and literally just run a pretty basic mission and it didn't need to be phenomenal, but it would have kept it on our radar. It literally could have been run run through what is already a mission like structure, right? Point A to point B is already built. There were already missions on the Almighty. We would have just run those missions and then ended by putting a targeting beacon in place or reestablishing the targeting beacon link up with Rasputin. You know how we were clearing the bunkers every day? I mean, that's something they could have done too. Ah, uh, yeah, we got to go reestablish the connection. It keeps getting knocked out. You know, interference or whatever. It, they could have had us doing that. I'm not going to really beat them up about that 
but I am going to say, you know, going forward, this might be something to consider to keep the story more in the forefront because now all of a sudden it's like, hey, two weeks left and the Almighty's just suddenly in the skybox and people are like, oh, I forgot all about that. Well, if we were going to the Almighty on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, then it might not have been such a, oh, well, <laughs> I don't know, why is this all of a sudden happening, you know? Uh, death... Bobcat. Sorry if this is super broad. Uh, do you have an opinion on how they could better involve the champion mods in the future to allow us to have more viable endgame builds? I've answered this question a lot, so I'm going to give you my Cliff's Notes answer because I do think this is an important subject to continue to press on. I think the more Bungie empowers us to use them in a more intentional way, and I would say in a more abundant way, that would then empower them to put champions in more places. And the example that I have given is, give us two champion mod slots, and I can equip two champion mods on a gun. So I could go into a strike, and I could have unstoppable and anti-barrier on one gun. I hold down X to toggle, right? We hold down X to toggle between the two. Now, they're adding some of these new you know, weapon control changes and stuff, and people are like, maybe we're going to get new abilities. Maybe they're going to do something like that. I don't know. Maybe they're going to do some type of double tap thing where like, if you double or triple tap or hold reload, maybe they do something like this. Now, somebody might say, oh, that'll completely trivialize champions. Okay, right. Take my entire answer though. If they give us more intentionality with the mods and more abundance of how we can use the mods, they now have reason to put them into more places. So, more unstoppable and anti barrier champions and content that's more layers, that's more dynamics to the combat, so it's not so samey and boring. And I'm interacting with those pain points in an intentional way. I'm switching my mod, I'm paying attention. I, you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing all these things. Then that creates, I think, more satisfaction in I've crafted a loadout that's good for this content and now I'm going in and beating it. It was like when we were doing the time trials in the nightmares. It was like when we were doing the time trials. It was like we had our loadouts, we had our plans, we had our approach. It was really satisfying when we hit a good groove. We hit a really good groove. It was like I had my unstoppable loud lullaby, I had my Ariana's Vow, and my Wendigo. And it was really satisfying when my loadout started landing on the content and helping with efficiency. I want to see more of that. I think champion mods are a way they can do that. Shipwreck. Do you think Eris Morn is going to keep being the flagship uh, for lore so that the story of Destiny has direction, or do you think someone else should take the torch? I'm okay with the, the cast of heroes rotating periodically. I love Eris. I think she's, I honestly have always said, I think she's the best character in the game. Um, but I don't, I'm not going to die on this hill. Other people can, you know, can pick up the mantle. Redis Heart. When uh, comparing this season to the Black Armory, Drifter, and Opulence, do you see a lack of content to engage new players? I hope you understand what I mean. I don't think seasonal content's focus is new players. I understand what you're getting at. I don't think the focus is new players. I think that's why when Luke Smith did his director's cut, he said that they were looking at new light and trying to make new player acquisition more streamlined and better. Um, So... That, I think, is where they want to... Uh, this, that's where they want to focus their attention. As opposed to being like, oh, the seasons need to be really, really good for New Light players. I think that's a, mis- that's, that's a misfire and a misfocus. Because if you think about what seasonal content is supposed to do, seasonal content is supposed to perpetuate and maintain the, uh, the player base, okay? It's supposed, to, it's supposed to perpetuate and maintain the player base. That, I think, 
has more of its goals and it's more of its eyes set on the existing player pool as opposed to the new king Cato. do you think that armor was fun to chase uh that the armor was fun to chase do you think that the seraph armor looked nice or not i don't i don't and do you prefer season of undying and season of dawn armor I thought the season of Dawn armor was hot. I thought all the Saint-14 stuff was hot. I thought the armor of the season was cool because it was like thematic and very like Russian looking. Um, I, you know, but outside of that, I, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think the armor was all that inviting. I also don't think there was a good way to grind for it. I think one of the dilemmas with armor has been a lack of, you know, a, a targeted pursuit. And... Um, that's something they're aiming to fix in the future. So, with you know the the redacted engram, who are you banking on, Praetith or the Stranger? We're we're kind of you know everybody's throwing their hat in the ring and making predictions. I do think it's the Stranger. I think the Stranger's who they're going to run into on Europa coordinates received. I think she went there and sent a signal to Drifter and Eris, and I think her trailer hits Monday. I think they're gonna. I think they're really going to push the gas pedal down on Monday to get everybody excited, and that's what's going to happen. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's the freaking Stranger, and nobody's going to want to miss Tuesday after that. I think yesterday they didn't want they didn't want to like sides like take away from trials and the Friday vibe, right? Friday is Zur, Friday is trials, today's the live event, and then Monday is the stranger trailer. Everybody loses their freaking mind and boom. I don't think Praetith works as like a marketing push because no one would even know who the frick they are. They'd be like, who is that? But if the stranger shows up, people will lose their freaking mind. The stranger will trend on Twitter. I mean, the drifter trended on Twitter after his tra- uh, his trailer. The phrase on Twitter, the stranger will trend if she shows up on Monday in in the in the trailer. Trust me, it would it would cause waves in the community. It would be talked about, blogged about, videoed about, all of it. It would be a really really smart marketing play. Cavasis. Do you have any type of speculation on what's going on with the reveal next Tuesday? I think it's more about September, but the reason it's happening on Tuesday is that September and summer are linked. I've been saying this for a while. It seems that prediction's coming true. It seems that whatever we're going to do in summer is part of the lead up to September. And it's going to be, it sounds like it's going to be significant because as they said, it'll be like no other time in destiny. So Yixel's gifted us up to Millhouse. Thank you. The finest brew. Most endgame players try to be as efficient as possible when grinding. How do you think this will affect the redacted Ingram grinds in the future? This is a concern that I have. This is a concern that I have because I'm worried that folks are literally going to say, what's the path of least resistance, right? What's the path of least resistance? Well, the redacted engrams drop at this percentage rate and strikes or this strike or this place is the fastest. You know, that you know these places are the fastest. They're the best. They're the best places. They're the they're the best places to get the redacted engrams. Well, if that's if that's the case, it's going to be just like the bounty farm and lost sectors. Path of least resistance. The content gets sort of mistreated in a way, and we kind of cannibalize the grind. We end up spending all of our time in some teeny tiny little circle, and like that's where we spend our days, that's where we spend our time. That's probably my biggest concern with the redacted engrams, is it's going to be very, very similar to what happened with the Lost Sector bounty grind. Scarrow. 
in your opinion, was this really the 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 worst season in Destiny history, like many people say it is? Compared to Curse of Osiris, the season was not that bad, in my opinion. I don't think it's fair to compare this to Curse of Osiris because if Curse of Osiris had random roles, Curse of Osiris would have crushed this season, no question. Curse of Osiris would have at least had a good weapon grind, right? Curse of Osiris lacked, you know, we were in static roll double primary. So if you want to make a fair comparison, you have to go back to Curse and give it non-double primary and random rolls. And I think when you do that, it's better. We got a new, we got a new place to go, the Infinite Forest. You got the Forge grind with with uh, with with uh, Brother Vance, and then you got a raid a raid layer. So, I you know what I mean? But it didn't. I think it's a fair comparison. It's not a fair comparison when you're where you're comparing content to a time in the game where quality of life adjustments that are benefiting this season. It's not fair. That's like the definition of not fair. There are quality of life adjustments that happen to the game like far-reaching systematic globally in the whole game that are benefiting this season. This season is benefiting from those changes. And so like that ends up holding back Curse of Osiris. It is, it's kind of not fair. It's like, well, that's not a fair comparison. So if you make it fair and you say, okay, imagine Curse of Osiris standing on the foundation that this content's standing on, I think Curse would probably end up winning. Now, let's be clear. Not by much. <laughs> it's not by much. Curse was, Curse was still a rough. It was still a rough delivery. The, the 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 planet wasn't that great. The public event wasn't that great. Even the grind for the weapons wasn't that great, right? So, it, it I I don't I don't think it's even worth doing this though. This is one of the worst. Whether or not you want to say it's worse than Curse or not doesn't matter. It's at the bottom of the barrel. Okay. Whoever is whoever's racing for last place right now, who gives a frick? This season sucked. Like it doesn't really matter who's worse or who's not worth. I mean, both Curse of Osiris and Season of the Worthy, they're hanging out in the losers bracket, okay? They're both hanging out down there. Who really gives a crap what their seed is, okay? They're both hanging out in the losers bracket. This wasn't a good season. Hopefully we never have a season like this ever again. Uh J by Gunner Will all the past exotics uh, quests be removed with the season or just the fourth horseman? I actually don't know. They haven't spoken to that. Silenced uh, regret. With the knowledge that the weapons and things we have been uh, that are becoming obsolete due to not being able to infuse past a certain light, um, they're not obsolete. They're just not endgame viable. Do you think that they will touch on the weapons we acquired over the years with triumphs that were a huge grind? Listen, it doesn't matter how long it took you to get Revoker or Mountaintop. It's gonna get. Re- it's gonna get. Uh, sunset you you don't get to invoke time investment as like a protective barrier you don't that, that, that's not a that, that's that's not a reason to upset the entire system they're trying to build so they're not making them obsolete they're making them non-end game viable to leave space for other upper echelon weapons pinnacle weapons in particular created this problem the only way you were going to make something stronger than Recluse, Revoker, Mountaintop, Loaded Question, Delirium, Wendigo, was to literally make weapons stronger than them. That's power creep. This allows them to make other weapons that are equal to them in strength, but sunsetting creates space in that upper echelon, so there's a perpetual aspirational 
grind. So I, I'm not going down this, I'm not going down this rabbit hole because your question literally is a perfect example of how so many people talk about sunsetting. You misrepresent the system and act like it's going to be this big, huge problem. So it's not really worth going down this rabbit hole because like so many people do this. They springboard off of a misrepresentation. It's going to make our stuff obsolete. That's incorrect. And oh, well, I took so long to grind for this stuff. That doesn't even have any. That that has no bearing on the discussion. Um, that's like this. It's a slap in the face. It's a disrespect of my time. You know, Destiny Karen Reddit commentary that I'm just tired of interacting with. The game was going to choke itself to death with respect to loot. This was a necessary change. And the Destiny Karens on Reddit can cry till the end of time. It's coming. They can threaten to uninstall. I don't give a frick. You mean people have done that on my YouTube? Well, that's, I'm not playing. I'm uninstalling. I'm done. Whatever, Karen. You'll be back in September after some dope trailers. Like, you're going to be playing this game again. If you've been playing this long and you're this passionate, you will come back and play again. And if you don't, I'm just going to shrug and say I don't give a frick. Because the game's going to be better for it. It's truds. Given the hype surrounding the event today, should they have ramped the story beats up a bit earlier in the season to keep interest around longer? Given the hype surrounding the event today, should they have ramped up the story beats? This is a woulda, shoulda, coulda, truds. I try to avoid these questions. I already kind of talked about what they could have done with going to the Almighty, like on a weekly or other, you know, bi-weekly basis. Uh, Nicolino. What do you believe to be the biggest flaw this season? And conversely, what's the biggest win? Biggest flaw is that the entry point content, the foundational content was horrible. The, t- the, tower, the tower event was bad and it touched so many things. It's, it's like having a really bad foundation and trying to build on it. Everything's shaky and crumbling because your foundation's bad. Um, what was the biggest win? I think the story beats were the biggest win going down and seeing the original Rasputin. But again, what hurt that? What hurt the Fellwinter's quest? The freaking tower event, you know? Uh, still snazzy. You said yesterday that you anticipate something uh, uh, akin to a reset in the upcoming year. Uh, what do you anticipate that extent to this to be? Reset the light mechanic weapons ETC. Sorry, I have too broad. Well, I don't think they want to completely hit the reset button on you because people are already upset enough about sunsetting. So I would say, I would say that the the approach, the bug hurt it. Yeah, the bug hurt it too. I mean, the event the, the event was so bad and the, and the quest was so bad. Nobody was doing it. They literally had to give us a buff because we weren't going to hit the required number for the for the Felwinter's Light quest. Um, I don't think they're going to like reset your light. I think they're going to be reinvigorating core activities and loot pools. I think the weapon system will probably see the biggest overhaul and that's why people will get over the sunsetting question. So... James Logan. Is it possible the weapon grind this season was stingy compared to Dawn because there was only four of them instead of letting us choose at the end of the public event? Okay, hang on. Is it possible the weapon grind this season was stingy compared to Dawn? Uh, is it possible it was? It, what, what do you mean is it possible? It is stingy. You're describing that it was stingy. Yes. I, it's not possible. It's. I mean, I think you could make a, a concrete argument that this season was stingy. It was hard to go for the things that you wanted. Even Like, listen, even if you wanted to get the frames, you had to get the encrypteds, and nobody wants to grind for the encrypted. Then you get the token. Then you get the bounty. Then you grind for the bounty. Like, it was too truncated. Like, Season of Dawn was go run the activity and get stuff. Like, it was that simple. So, Vex Offensive was the same way we went from vex offensive being like come on in what'd you do you shot a couple things loot sundial's like come 
on in. It's not failable. What'd you do? Shot a couple things? Pick a prize. And then you get into this season, they're like, who the frick are you? Go down in that bunker, shut the frick up, do your homework, and then when you're done, we might give you a gun. Oh, you want to get a gun intentionally? All right, well, go do this thing. Thanks. Okay, here's your token. What do I do with this token? Take this token, go buy a bounty, and then do the bounty. It's like, what happened? What? Where did all the where did all the love go? What ha- what happened? <laughs> what happened? It was like, hey, ten dollar content. You showed up and shot some stuff. Get some loot. And then we get into this season. And it's like the exact opposite. They're like, yeah, the event sucks. It's 980. The bosses are a thousand. You're 950. So you got to go grind and level to even interact with this first. And then when you interact with it, there's like no intentionality. It's failable. It's not fun. It's a meat grinder. It's more non-match made failable content that they've done in the past with Archon's Forge Court of Oryx, the Blind Well Escalation Protocol. But we wanted to do it again just to see if it would work and it didn't and so the season just falls apart and every layer it falls apart it's like they weren't just stingy they were sloppy it felt so different say what you want about vex offensive at at least it was generous (laughs) at least it was generous you know hsg intrepidus if they implemented matchmaking like you said they should have uh, what limit to players would you have to put on the Seraph Towers you could have literally done teams of three and you click matchmaking and it pairs you with other teams of three and if you're solo you would just gap fill an instance that needs some solo players it would have worked it would have worked you would have consistently gotten match made into instances where there were little fire teams of two and three working together and you would just fill in those gaps it would have been exactly like They want to, like, romanticize people coming together in the public space. And it's just like, stop doing that. This isn't a freaking Hallmark movie. It's a video game, and we need content loops that are accessible and sensible. Like, knock this romance stuff off. Just empower us to do dope stuff. And matchmaking would have solved all of that. Max at the three. So you go in with three. There's another team with three. And there's a team of two and a solo. Boom. Done. Nine people. And it would have been fine. It would have been fine. Even when it gets harder, it would have been fine. You would have consistently been in engagements and instances where there was anywhere from seven to nine people and you would have got it done. Like, it solved. For whatever reason, they just don't do matchmaking in the public space. And when they do, it's like off the beaten path like they did with the forges. That wasn't really truly in the public space. You were like driving back to a button and pressing a button and then it dumped you into that place now they made it to where i can literally just go to the director i can click on earth and i just click this (coughs) and it just throws me into a forge right i i don't know why they couldn't do that with the public space i don't know if it has something to do with the instancing or what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. The more I talk about this and the more we analyze how they created the forges, I'm convinced that this tower event was built for Warmind and it wasn't ready. And so all of its undercurrent, all of its foundation, all of its background infrastructure is built according to all the old rules. It's just built according to the old rules. It's like... It's a match... It's, it's a non-match made public space environment and they couldn't rebuild it. 
they couldn't rebuild it. They couldn't decide to do like, uh, oh no, we can do matchmaking like we did with Forges. That would have required them to retool the entire event. I think that's, I, I genuinely think that's what happened. Because if you go back in time and you talk to the VV guys, Vicarious Visions, who built Warmind, they actually said it was around January where they were like, this is what's making Osiris struggle. We need to make an actual piece of content for Warmind. And they built Escalation Protocol. I am theorizing that when they did that, Bungie started working on a companion activity that would be on the other planets and it wasn't ready in time and it got shelved and they pulled it out for this season because this was season of the low bandwidth and the foundational structure of that tower event is identical to EP and because of that they couldn't go back in and like reinvent the whole thing I think this thing literally sat on a shelf because VV was honest about that they basically built EP at the 11th hour it was a it was a last minute build that's why they had the feedback that's why they had the people come play and they were like what do you think and they were willing to make it harder because it was a late game development and they wanted player feedback like almost immediately right so at at, at this point, I'm hoping this never happens again because I think it's even I think it's even growing more unlikely as time goes on that there's like old content that's gonna sneak its way in. I think this was literally a we don't have the we don't have the bandwidth we're cutting bandwidth so we can make the summer and the September really really good. Hendrix live with two months and Frag to me just gifted five subs to the community. Thank you for doing that, Ninja Turtle. Um, with the season being worse than season of the drifter, do you feel that the community has set super high expectations for next season? I do, and I don't think it's necessarily our fault. Um, I don't think it's low bandwidth because of Corona Big Texas because they were building this before that happened. This season was being built before <clears throat> before that happened. Um, Ninja, they basically said that the summer would be like no other time in Destiny. Now, if you're going to say that, you better freaking deliver. You can't go back in time you're like, well, what I meant was when I said it would be like no other time in Destiny, what I meant was the story developments. Oh, cram it. You can't say that and then it, like not expect people to get excited, okay? The statement is meant to provoke excitement and like, like, uh, anticipation, okay? So... They, they've, they're, they've set a big stage up, okay? If I went to the, the, you know, a local park and there was this construction crew building this massive stage and I was like, what in the world's going on here? And then one guy walked out with a, with a guitar and be like, what the frick? Why'd you build this massive stage? It looked like it was going to be this huge production and concert. They're the ones that have set the stage. They're the ones that have made it seem like this summer's going to be crazy. So if it fl- if it just completely falls on its face and it's lame and lackluster and weak and thin and people get angry, it ain't on the community this time. It ain't on the community this time. They set the stage. They set up the anticipation and the excitement. So if it sucks, it's on them. They barely, they barely marketed Season of the Worthy. They didn't get as hyped up at all about it. So that doesn't defend it, by the way, right? That doesn't defend Season of the Worthy, but they certainly didn't tell us it was going to be phenomenal and incredible. They, they didn't really talk about Season of the Worthy. So 
They set a big stage, big talk about Trials, and look what happened. I just think that's entirely different. I think Trials is suffering for particular things that aren't necessarily the fault of the people that worked on it. I think it's I think it's a far more far-reaching problem. I think there's a loot system problem right now that hurts everything. Okay? Trials being like upset about not getting adept weapons. Okay, the the raid runners are like, get in line, okay? freaking get in line if you're upset about not having good loot in your trials you know flawless chest we were here first we were already in line at the complaint counter about that get in line that's a system-wide problem in in destiny right now end game loot not being really really worthy of where it drops okay with respect to the other problems, they're pr- it's primarily cheaters. And then, you know, the, the low card farming, obviously, we could say, you guys really fumbled that. And they continue to fumble the structure, in my opinion. But the biggest problems with Trials is the loot and the cheaters. None of those things you could really say, like, the team working on Trials, like, had that in their purview. They're like, we're making loot in the systems that we have to. Like, we're restricted by the entire game's, you know, loot hierarchy structure right now. We, we can't really we can't really mess with adept weapons right now. And as I said, there's already people lined up at the complaint, the complaint window saying, we don't get good enough gear, and it's everybody who's been running raids in Destiny 2 since Leviathan. We, we've, been, we've been saying this before Trials has even, you know, uttered the complaint about adept weapons. Pure 36. While the season has one seasonal event, Bungie's TWAB showed possibly two activities next season. If Bungie has two activities in any season, should one be aimed at endgame and one towards casuals? I have continued to say that the best way to do this is one event is paid and new, and another event is a reskin reinvigoration, and it's free. If anybody's going to complain about reskins, I mean, I, I would, I would laugh in their face. If it's free, you can't complain. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it would be free, right? I think that's one of the best ways to do it because then what happens every season you're combing over the game and rejuvenating a pocket of it. And every season you're adding something new as well. And you're keeping things fresh. You're keeping things in this sort of lane of the game, you know, pockets of the game are not becoming dormant and dead. So, I've always said that would be a really, really good principle and structure. It would fit so well with what's already in the game, right? Open your director, go to your season pass, okay? You have a free track and you have a paid track. And if the content had a a free activity that was something old getting rejuvenated and you had a new activity that costs money, that would be a perfect system. The other reason that would work really, really well is all those new light players would be like, hey, this is great. This activity in Planet is suddenly relevant and it wasn't. I can kind of check out Blindwell, Escalation Protocol, The Forges, uh, The Menagerie, Reckoning, whatever. Like, content that's become irrelevant suddenly is relevant again and that's helpful for like literally everybody i mean that touches on all the entire community you might be like oh you know what i've not run a forge i've not run a uh i've not run a menagerie i've not run reckoning in ages yeah i have a reason to do that now and then, you know and then they go in and they 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 enjoy the content and then the new light players are right there along with you Ryan Star Wars with the new seasons coming do you think that there is room for an additional tier of weapons mythic I think people just need to like slow down a little bit just slow down a little bit just a little bit we're getting ahead of ourselves let's get into the new systems in the new year and then there might be room for that 
if they're going to do adept weapons and trials, you kind of already have your answer. That is sort of what you're describing, I think. Grim. What do you think about the lie quest? Do you think it was good in the idea and just failed in practice? Yes. It's actually one of the things that frustrated me the most about this season. Because I love Rasputin, and I thought the holograms and the story and the stuff about Felwinter and going down and seeing the original Rasputin, it was excellent. If I was the team that worked on that, I my blood would be boiling. It, I would have been so angry. Like, they had to. They basically had to give us a buff because the tower event sucks so bad and the fail rate is so high now because of the changes that they had to basically give us a buff to even get it done. And then after that embarrassment, the freaking door was glitched. Like if I would have been the guy or or girl or team member on that team that worked on that, I would have been absolutely furious. My blood would have been boiling. They spent probably weeks and hours and months making that dope and then it just absolutely fell on its face. I was so agitated because it was so it was so cool. And now everybody's like it wasn't that cool. It was late. It was, we just went down in a bunker. And like nobody even gives it a chance. They're just like, no, it sucked because the lead-in was so terrible. Uh Fapasaurus with 10 months. Thank you. And Small King giving this up to Dave. Thank you for doing that. Uh Pixel Flare. Do you think that we should have had new roles available on the EP gear? I've been calling for that for a while, you know, rejuvenate those old pockets. And I I would think they're going to do that eventually, but I don't know what their timing is on it. I, I don't know if you're going to just continue to leave those things empty and dormant. No one's going to give a crap about EP after September, because not only are they static rolls, now they're sunset, right? So now the loot's even worse. Like, it's like, it's one thing for it to be old school static roll. Now, now it's not even that. It's, it's sunset. So that leaves room, I think, for Bungie to say, hey, we put new relevant guns in EP. And they look awesome. And they have that Warmind feel. Oh, and the armor's been updated to be more relevant. Go have a ball, you know? Kavasis. What could have Bungie done differently this season, in your opinion? This is way too broad, Kavasis. I've already said a bunch of things, and my video is also going to touch on this, so I'm going to have to skip. This is just a little too broad. You got this in after I did the filtering. Um, I filtered up to about question 30. Telling a story has not been Bungie's strong side if you read all the lore tabs. What? Um, oh, if you've not read all the lore tabs, they changed. I was like, man, the lore tabs are incredible. What are you talking about? They changed it this season with the story being the strongest side. Do you think Bungie will continue this type of storytelling? I happen to think that Luke Smith's vision for the game is slowly being realized. And I believe one of those things is better storytelling. It's not just more interconnected. So one season to the next, but like it's more involved. That's why when people are like, yeah, year three just hasn't been that good. I'm like, what are you what are you actually talking about like the things we're doing are actually impacting the game you know we rescued saint 14 we stopped the vex invasions we're now helping power up rasputin and then he's going to shoot this thing down and while we're waiting on him to do that he lets us know that he was there at the collapse and he's had experiences with the pyramid ships before and since he's had experience with the pyramid ships before maybe he sent osiris to one and there's a bunch of pyramid ships coming like we haven't had that before 
What was Black Armory about? Nobody knows. Nobody nobody freaking knows. She just shows up and she's like, yeah, there's all these mysterious weapons. Go get them. Uh, wh- what was Opulence about? You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I actually think this is part of his vision for better storytelling. It's not just interwoven season to season. It's actually touching down on what we're doing in the game. We're doing stuff in the game and it's having an impact. Like, Saint 14's in the tower. Like, the guy, the helmet that we wore in D1, he he's in the tower. He's there. We rescued him. We went back in time. We interacted with, like, a young Saint 14 and then an older Saint 14. Like, that was cool. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, I actually think this is Luke Smith's vision. Now, I know people are like, oh, but the lore. Oh, you got to read the lore. It's so much better. Okay. A long, long time ago, I was watching a streamer who said that they liked the fact that the story was there if you wanted to go read it. And if most people are just kind of like, eh, they don't have to. I tend to agree with that. I think the depth is there for the people that are interested. Like, the fact that you know the lore is good and you've read the lore cards is because, like, you're interested. 70% of the community is probably like, well, that was cool, and then they go on their merry way. I think that's actually totally fine. I think it's fine to say... You know, here is the story beats. Here's the cool things. It's all tied together now. What you're doing is actually impacting the world. And if you want to dive deeper, there's lore cards. If you don't, fine. Because, man, I got to be honest with you. I've never been a big lore guy. I just haven't. And reading the lore cards about Felwinter, I found to be really enjoyable. Why? Because they really whet my appetite. When they when when they walked us through those holograms, I was like, okay, I'm interested. And people were like, oh, if you go use the gun, you'll get you'll get lore entries. I was like, uh, okay. And I went and did it. So, Ghostface, with the repetitive nature of the past seasons, do you think that Bungie should have their format, i.e., giving us expansion now instead of another season? absolutely not no seasons aren't repetitive the game is repetitive that's this game destiny is repetitive it's a content loop game diablo is repetitive borderlands and division are repetitive that's what these games are built upon they're built on the idea of repeating loops like that's literally that's an identity marker of destiny that's an identity marker of games like this so i don't agree that they should like divert from what they've been doing you're basically saying the this game has a content loop should they stop doing that like that's what you're doing you're describing an identity marker of destiny and acting like they should stop doing that i completely disagree with this take no way that's like that's how these games are built that's how these games run um they could do a better job drawing in players with the optional story elements well, yeah, I think like they wet my appetite and then I went and read the lore. I, I don't I don't disagree. They could have wet your appetite with those holograms and then they could have been like, you know, come back later to scan these items to get the lore entries and then maybe have somebody read them to you. You know, you reading them is not quite as immersive. So the lore was written well. Get a voice actor to read it. Like, just get Bife to do it for Frick's sake. Like, all you got to do is get somebody to read them. It's not that hard. That's a couple hours worth of work. And you shove it in the game. Like, but, you know, audio files take up space. So that, that maybe they don't want to do that. JD Gamer. Um, hey, Lona, would you be okay if Bungie made the event uh, do what Fortnite did and have the game shut down for a couple of days, then the season releases a couple days later? Um, I don't think this is the right call, okay? They did it first. Uh, <laughs> they did it first. We don't really need to do that, too. Um, I don't know. 
I love the idea of a live event. I'm not really keen on the game shutting down right before a new season starts. And there's a handful of reasons why. That was the wasn't that the first day of the 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 Fortnite event or something like that? Maybe it wasn't. I'm trying to I'm trying to draw parallels here. And and here's what here's where my mind is going. If you're trying to finish out the season and you're trying to finish out your season pass to get all the last remaining things and you're trying to maybe even do a little bit of bounty saving, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to hate on people for bounty saving, but let's just say you're trying to finish out your season pass and you come home from work and you can't play the game. They're like, <laughs> we took a page out of the Fortnite book. I don't think that's the most... Uh, you know, innovative or even like um, appealing way to get people excited about the next season. You know, oh, you can't play. Isn't that funny? Isn't it cool? You were on like level 97 of your season pass or you were, you know, you were getting ready to do some bounty saving just to kind of like prepare yourself and (laughs) you can't even play. Isn't that funny? No, it's not funny. What the frick? Like people would be angry. Um, People would not be excited. People would not be like, Oh yeah, this is great. You didn't warn us about this, right? Fortnite did something that like took stones. Like basically Fortnite was like, guess what? We're the king, okay? We're the biggest game on the planet and we're going to do something that's unprecedented. You can't freaking play. Boom. Shut the game down. Like that's basically like a flex. Basically, Epic flexed on the gaming industry. They're like, (laughs) you want to see how great we are? You want to see how big we are? We're so big, we're going to shut our game down for a couple of days. Like, it was a flex. Most companies aren't going to take that risk and do that. Because I got news for you. Most people would be like, what the frick is going on? Most of your community would be like, I have no idea what's happening. Why is this happening? Why can't I play? Okay. Up to that point, Epic had established a pattern of get in the game and there's an event going on. And this was this was like what their sixth or seventh live event, and then boom, they shut the game down. So like people were accustomed to tuning in for these live events, and so 90% of Fortnite's player base knew exactly what was going on. Bungie's player base would be like, what on earth is happening? Why can't I play the game? I, I don't I don't think that they would do this. I really, really think that would be a big mistake. They're already getting criticism because, like, it's FOMO. I have to be there. Like, okay, and if it's just a cutscene, that's just another boring thing they've done ten times over. They've done cutscenes that everybody can watch. And if that's what you're looking for, I got news for you. Functionally, you can experience it like a cutscene. You can go to you know twitch or youtube and watch vods or recordings of it that's that's functionally what you would have done if it was just basically a cutscene that everybody could watch whenever you want uh decker richie do you think bungie should tune down the bounty grind for xp especially weapon bounties i'm gonna i'm gonna jump to the end here they've already said they're going to address this luke smith said they're looking at activity xp versus bounty xp they don't think the current system is working year four is when that change will happen so the summer i've tried to warn people the summer will most likely continue the the era of the bounty um Luke Smith said in year four, they're looking to tone that down. So we're still under the year three regime and the year three regime is a heavy reliance on bounties. So buckle the frick up. We're going to hear about that this season. More bounties like that. We're going to hear that. That's a thing that's going to happen. Now, maybe 
they were able to get ahead of it a little bit and soften some of that, but I still think there will be a heavy reliance on bounties in the summer. Uh, time, time key. In regards of the new pursuit weapons, Bungie stated that it would be easier to get them than the rituals, uh, but they want their new weapons to be a closer to power of OG recluse. Do you think that it'll be closer to rituals or pinnacles? I think you're misrepresenting what they said. I don't think they said easier. I mean, maybe they did. I remember them saying you'll be able to grind for it in both Crucible and PvE. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It still might be a bit of a grind. It still might be a bit of a time investment. Will it be on the level of the recluse? I don't think so because I think the stuff that's going to be aspirational recluse level will be adept trials, dungeons, raids, grandmaster nightfall. That's where that stuff belongs. That's where that stuff belongs. I don't think a weapon like everybody can get anywhere, it, you know, just by playing. I don't think that's where you're going to put your next recluse. Now maybe Bungie says as a way to kind of satiate the people that are going to, you know, whine and complain about the fact that, like, we put all the best loot in Trials Flawless and in Raids, we're going to give everybody access to at least one good weapon a season, you know, they may do that. They might. I don't really have a problem with that. I'm just trying to let people know that's that's unlikely, just given what we know about where they're wanting to target these weapons. Uh, uh, I concept. Um, what are some things from previous seasons that you think Bungie should utilize more to help prevent content gaps in the future? If they can pair up the the match made non-failable, pair that up with aspirational, like a harder version of the content, I think we're golden. Right now, when Menagerie had a harder version and Sundial had a harder version, they, they kind of fell flat. Um, they kind of fell flat because the, the rewards just didn't line up. So it was like nobody really wanted to do it. So if they can if they can create a, a complete system there, then I think we'd be in a really, really good situation for the spectrum of the player to be really satisfied with the content structure and the rewards. Insanity. With the season's public event falling flat, do you think that they should not do a seasonal public event again, or is there a type of public event you wouldn't mind seeing? It's not because it's a public event. It's the lack of matchmaking, and it's failable. That's the problem. You know? That's the primary problem in in the game right now. It's not because it's a public event. It's because it's failable, and it's matchmade change character there's a new screen I thought they were going to do this they were going to let people know like an hour ahead of time um sister's vengeance an almighty threat the almighty hangs in the sky above the last city for now make your way to the tower and wait for countermeasures I wonder if we go to the tower now uh will it actually is it is it going to be closer because of that because of that alert um uh let's see uh, heads up in game message. <clears throat> Let's tweet that out. All right. So I'm going to go to the, t- I'm, I'm going to leave that up for, well, let's just go to the tower and see if it actually is closer because of that message. It might not be. It probably isn't. Um, but it is an hour before reset. So, um, 
With the season's public event, yeah, okay, so I'm going to go to the next question. I pretty much answered you. It's not because it's a public event. It's because of the lack of matchmaking and it's failable. Uh, sorry if this was asked. Do you think the season would have been considered in better standing with some of the whis- with some kind of whisper or a zero-hour event with some epic throwback exotic? I don't think that would have saved this season. Like, okay, so Drifter ended with zero-hour. Nobody's like, yeah, it saved the season. You know, nobody talks like that. <laughs> you, what do we talk about? We talk about how Drifter was the worst season. Drifter was the most disappointing. It's bigger. It's actually bigger. It's like eclipsing the sun now. That's 100% bigger, chat. Uh, That is 100% bigger. Hang on just a moment. Holy mackerel. That is a hundred percent bigger chat. I wondered if they were going to do that because that is basically eclipsing the sun. I can't even see the sun now. That is crazy. That's so cool that they did that chat. (laughs) I think that's a sign that it's working. Whatever the preparations they've made for the event, that change shows that whatever they're going to do is working. Um... Nice assessment. The idea of tower defense horde style game mode like Gears of War has is super interesting to me. What do you think in terms of mechanics and abilities could be upgraded and expanded if they had an idea to bring this kind of activity back? Well, I think they've shown they're willing to do cool things. Like we can summon robots this season, right? I do think an endless mode is difficult. Like what exactly are you going to do with an endless mode? Like what exactly are you going to do? How exactly are you going to pull it off? Because especially if it's match made, right? If people leave, how does that work? Like if, if people stick around, how does it work? Like there's a lot of things I think that make it really, really hard, um, to make an event like that work in destiny. Now, you could do like a buckle down, make it crazy, like make it go really, really long. You could definitely do that um, and and make it stellar. But I think that by and large, right? By and large, I think there's things they could do to iterate on it, but they couldn't necessarily go down to the, it, it lasts for forever. Um, another thing to note of guys right now, it's not moving. So Bungie has basically suspended um they basically suspended the uh the 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 time change uh in they've they, i don't want anybody in my in my in my team sorry um i usually say you can join me the, yeah the skybox rotation has been suspended it's stopped because more than likely that's tied to the event like right now the sun would be moving it's not moving so it, it uh, if you get to an instance like this, it seems that they're not moving the sun anymore um, to suspend time. That way, the event can happen. So, and people are saying the tower music is different. Um, next question: Phoenix Prime. Do you think they need to go back to older exotics and add anti-champion effects to them? We've already answered this question today. Uh, Tone Bone. Sorry if this was asked. What gun or guns do you think would be worth grinding for? Um, NPCs 
even the NPCs are looking up. Oh yeah, all the NPCs are looking up. All the all the all the characters. Oh, Zavala's moved. Yeah. Even Zavala's moved. He's moved to the side. So he's he's checking on it too. Yeah. That's really cool that they did that. Is Sha- has Shax moved to like the edge? Yeah, uh, Shax is turned and looking. That is so cool they did that. That's dope. That's really neat. All right, let's keep that center center stage for the for the audience at home. That's dope. I, I this is cool. I think Bungie's done a good job with this. We're not through it yet, but that's that's pretty neat. Um. Uh, what gun or guns do you think are worth grinding uh, before the bunkers close you should try to get a clown cartridge vorpal and a clown cartridge firing line machine gun that would be my advice I would focus all your attention on that uh, big D do you think that seraph tower completion should have been linked in relation to leveling up the bunker we kind of already addressed this I think they should have been better linked yes not sure if you answered this but what are your thoughts of Bungie shifting to a new engine we've gotten this question a lot this is kind of off subject I think the possibility is there if it does happen it's possible that, like Microsoft is helping them with it I, you know, I don't know um, wait how is someone pushing me um, is anybody in my roster still no I must have bumped my controller um. Uh, da, 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 next question in your opinion will we have a moments of triumph this year I've gotten asked about this a lot I think moments of triumph is being held on to I don't know why it's called sisters vengeance I don't know why they're calling it that that's interesting that it says that Um. the only famous sister in the game that we know of is Elsie Bray go to Hawthorne and Ikora that, it, it's cool that the NPCs have moved, but I want this in the thumbnail of the stream. People are browsing, you know, Twitch right now. I, I don't want to go over there right now. They're just looking at the thing. It's cool they're doing that, um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, Toddless uh, Rasputin tells Osiris during the cutscene that he sides with the darkness, and then tells Anna and Zavala that they have to trust him. Who do we believe? I, yeah, I don't know. I don't have strong opinions on stuff like this. Um, I missed Total Sellout's question. Sorry. Uh, it seems one of the major pain points of the season trials was the rampant cheating. How could Bungie have solved this problem in the short term while they work on better anti-cheat and banning, perhaps a paywall? They're considering a paywall. I just, I, 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 fu- I firmly believe, okay, I firmly believe that that is not good enough. We need front-facing installed anti-cheat. We're running into people in, in, in Valorant already that are clearly cheating, and they have a very, very aggressive anti-cheat. So, um... Iron Lord. What are your thoughts about this being the only season with a badge revolved around the season? They do have one for trials, but not worth uh, worthy items. I mean, Almighty is a really, really um, the Scion sister from Dawn. I, you know, the Almighty one's pretty easy to get, so I think it's cool. Um, I think it's cool, and. The question is, do they want to do that every time? I'm not gonna die on this hill. I liked it. I liked that it. it was pretty accessible, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like demand it. Um, OG, uh, why do you think Bungie won't give Taraba a buff or rework it? I don't know. I don't work there. Uh, questions like that, I just don't have an answer for you. Why aren't Why aren't they doing this? I just. I, I can't tell you. I don't know. Um, I missed a brand new sub from the Flash in 7 with the Prime sub. Thank you. Five months from Captain Fury and 15 months from Charles Edward Cheese. 
Um, would you like to see a collection badge for next season's title to keep it similar to this season? I Sure. I don't have strong opinions about that either. What do you think about the artifact now after three seasons? Do we need infinite leveling if they raise the cap each season? This is another video I need to make. Uh, you know, infinite leveling needs to go away. I, I don't think we need infinite leveling. I don't think it's helpful to the game. Um, you know, uh, artifact needs capped that's another video i need to make um i just i don't think i I think it's causing more issues than it's helping with it's causing more problems i don't think it's good for the game why do we need infinite leveling why you know the only people that are getting to absurd levels of leveling are hardcore players hardcore players should be asking for a lot more they should be asking for a lot more than you know this this um oh well you know oh just let us level for forever that just that that goes hand in hand with my comments about leveling earlier okay leveling is not content it just needs to be capped make it a bonus 10 i said this the other day the perfect system okay imagine right now the level caps a thousand and you get a bonus 10 from the artifact and you get a bonus 10 from pinnacles perfect perfect you have a casual bonus 10 and you have a hardcore bonus 10 so the hardcores can get a bonus 20 i think that works i think that lands on the spectrum of player i think a bonus 10 is all you need i think that's fine rip sound is the sound is is, oh you guys want to hear the music i'm not going to do that just yet we're almost done with q a uh where's my galahorn type of exotic gun to go after not really a question dj zeus in your opinion lono should bungie return to the old story format like d1 to keep it like it is right now i think how it is right now is fine um you said one raid a year is fine what i would like to ask you is if they do one raid a year uh they should be like king's fall and last wish not saying garden is bad but king's fall and last wish had five encounter more bosses and better loot i mean it feels like year three was a little bit lighter on bandwidth, so maybe we do get a bigger raid in year four. Um, I am more concerned with loot quality. I thought Garden was fine. Um, you know, I thought Garden was fine, but the loot wasn't there. Loot quality was 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 poor. Um, Nate Connor uh says do you think sunsetting armor will encourage new and interesting builds or just push people to run more meta builds i don't know this feels like a false dichotomy ll luck even though no tokens after matches tokens will still be acquirable from repeatable bounties even though this is not as good you still think the population is going to continue as bad as it is okay well maybe i need to dial back some of my criticism here maybe that's what they're trying to do um chaos sooner with a prime sub master fray with a prime sub and two months from eighth mercury thank you to the people doing new subs thank you for that we're about to have 50 emotes currently we have 46 but we unlocked four more slots so 50 emotes and ad free viewing you get to bypass ad on my channel when you're a sub if you have a twitch prime and you kind of miss the ad free viewing and you hang out here a lot i give that i try to give that back to you so when you sub here you bypass ads on my channel this may be part of what bungie's thinking folks wanted to go back to a bounty focus versus a token focus maybe that's why they did this so maybe i've been too hard on them i still think it's not going to go over very well i think the perception is i'm getting less tokens you know that's the perception i think perception is i'm getting less tokens and because i'm getting less tokens you know it doesn't matter that you you got rid of the the win the win requirement right it doesn't matter um 
I continue to think that if you're if you're gonna do if you're gonna do the the removing of the win requirement, I think the best thing to do is just to make tokens more accessible. I, I don't think we need to do this thing where you know you're making it hard for people to just play and get rewards. If you're doing adept weapons, you have the freedom to make the rewards more accessible. You know, Cole on Twitch. Why do you think that there was no collection badge this season? I have no idea. Uh, Yeater of Space Magic. I'm sure you've seen many people complaining about the Seraph weapons. Do you feel the Seraph weapons fell short of regular loot with their perk combos? We addressed this early in Q&A. I think it was Tyrant Surge that was the problem, right? Tyrant Surge, as effective as it was, that's how effective the weapon should have been. It should have been flipped, right? Tyrant Surge should have been like... A cat like oh here's some extra the weapons themselves should I, I I think should have been you know doing what the tyrant surge did that was one of the main the main issues I dacha you hi Lono what do you think is a good strategy from the bungee standpoint to make the spring season light on content and the summer and fall more substance the strategy is I think related to what's probably possible with bandwidth it's also possible um, that they're they're looking at you know player based behavior. You know, I've already lo- I've already looked at the NPCs, guys. I I know I know I know I know what they're doing. I appreciate the heads up in chat. Um, Destiny tweeted, "I am not seeing a new tweet from Destiny." Is it Bungie that tweeted? Um, if you get into an instance like mine, the sun is not moving. So if you get into an instance like this, I would not I would not leave it. So I'm not seeing any tweets. Yeah, it's definitely bigger. Uh so that's what I think they're doing, right? I think it's I think it's a combination of that you know, less people probably play during this time. Also, they, you know, they were looking, I think, to do, you know, more in summer and in September, and this is how they got it done. Do you think it would be better if they added lore tabs instead of helpful tips during load screens? I, I don't I don't really care about that. Sorry, I, that, that's not really a question for Q and A. Um, that's just like a do you think they should do this question? I, there's tons of things they should do. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know go off on tangents about stuff like that. I, I don't think those are primary important things right now. This game's got bigger fish to fry than like putting lore tabs in. But instead of tips, sure, why not? Like the lore is interesting. Why not wet people's appetite with it? You know. Sorry if this is already asked, but why do you think matchmaking for trials is a bad idea? Do you think it would be it would add to the population? I don't want to go down this road. This is kind of off topic. I think Trials of Osiris is like a raid. It needs to be it needs its integrity protected. It needs to be put into a position where um, you're you're it's it's very very clear that this is like end game content and end game content for the last five years has 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 shown that Bungie doesn't want it to have matchmaking. It can dilute it. Here's what would end up happening. Okay. It would just sort of turn into a diluted player pool and player base, and going flawless would be significantly easier, um, you know, because you would have so many more of those just garbage games at the beginning, and then people are like, well, they could do two playlists. Well, then you would have like the, oh, that's the Sweaty Trials playlist, that's where the stacks go, and then over here is the casual, you know, player base. Um, so, I just... I would I would wager to say that's that's a threat to like the integrity of the player fair you know the player pool and the pl- and and the mode itself. 
unfair lore is a major part of the game the lore needs more love i'm not being unfair i just don't think it's a front burner issue this game has massive massive fish to fry you want bungie focusing on putting lore in in certain parts of the game or do you want better loot and better content what keeps people playing words on a screen they can read periodically or like good content and good guns like i'm not against lore i'm saying it's not a front burner issue there's far bigger issues with the game right now why not both? Again, you're creating words I'm not saying. You're creating a dichotomy and a statement I have not made. It's 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 like low-key irritating. Like, I'm not saying no lore. I'm not anti-lore. I'm not saying don't put lore in the game. When I say it's not a front-burner issue, I'm saying they have far bigger things to focus on right now. It's not, it's, it's not something that needs to be focused on. People do this all the time. People go to my YouTube and create statements I didn't make. Like, I'm anti-casual because... I don't think there should be matchmaking in raids and it's like I'm not anti-casual I'm not anti-lore because I don't think lore is a front burner issue right now like you're creating a stance in a position that I haven't taken so uh Dumbass Einstein uh pick three armor pieces to be buffed and three weapons to be buffed no I don't answer questions like that uh, with the event being live do you see more live events happening depends on how it goes depends on how it goes and what people think um Coaster King. So in the end, from something out of ten, what do you rate this season? This season's like a two or a three. It's you know, it's it's barely it's it's barely getting along. It's it's on uh, it's on life support. Uh, I haven't completed any of the season's content, and when I go to the tower, I don't see the Almighty like you do in your instance. Do you think the event is only for people that have advanced the seasonal quest line? Zero clue. Um, you might have to keep reinstancing, maybe restart your game. It does seem like people are dealing with that, so. I'm going to end Q&A, but I'm going to keep talking. We're going to watch the event together, so don't go anywhere. we got a front row seat. I'm going to do my 10-minute talk, my full review of Season of the Worthy, and then we'll go into the game. We'll do all the things. We'll go full screen, okay? So if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe, and click follow if you're here live.